podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 169, pause for a laugh, of Glasgow is Green, the Celtic podcast. Yep, we're back in gig pod once more. We're going to be talking about the recent tweets, draw, whiffs, Mirren and some other bits and pieces that have happened recently. And I'm joined, he's back, by Spunkphone. How you doing, mate? Not too bad, John, not too bad. I've, I've just about recovered from my latest shenanigans in Dublin, as Stevie did mention on last week's pod, I, Overdone it, didn't I? In that, in that Guinness Lounge. But to be fair, I mean, some of the delays, John, I, I couldn't get a ferry or a plane home. That, that's why I ended up consuming my body weight in Guinness. But alas, I'm here. Hay fever is uh, kicking my ass, shall we say. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here with your good self, John, at least. Thank you, brother. And you are a, a hero and a legend for overcoming hay fever on a wonderful Sunday night in, Monday night in Glasgow. You do the pod. But that's that's we value the listeners so much. We're, we'll even do pods in lovely sunny night sunny nights in Glasgow. So we're going to talk about the the tweets draw with St. Mirren, keep him up a run of not very good performances after clinching the league title, which was always a possibility of happening. And I suppose the the first part of talk about is the team selection. And interestingly enough, after making changes against Rangers and brought. Almost all the big players back into the side for the game against Simon. Kyogo was back. Greg Taylor was back. But there was one change, and it was an interesting change. And it was that Tomoki Awata, who has played at centre-back in Japan, played at centre-back for the first time for us, replacing Yoki Kobayashi, who, as everybody knows, was pretty poor against Rangers. But Awata started at centre-back. And Spunkphone, it's fair to say that I doubt we'll see Tomoko Awati play centre-back again for Celtic. That was a, a bit of an experiment, obviously, at Ibrox the other week with a few fringe players, shall we say, being given their opportunities. It was another sort of experiment this week. I think Ange, obviously Kobayashi's performance at Ibrox was pretty terrible the other week, but I think he was also taking him out the firing line pretty much because he knew he'd be up against a guy like Curtis Main, big physical centre-forward, and basically, if he had two stinkers in a row, it'd be difficult to come back from. Iwata had the unfortunate task of obviously stepping in um, in his place. And as we saw on Saturday, it didn't really go to plan. We had, as you said there, heard that he'd played in uh, centre-back previously in Japan. I'd heard a little bit that it was more so in a, a back three rather than you know a right-sided centre-back and a left-sided centre-back and a four. But either way, it didn't really, didn't really pay off and... Um, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be seeing him at centre-half again for Celtic any time soon. No, and we, we started off very poorly, but I conceded a goal in the first 10 minutes, and it really was just defensive errors all over the park. Awata and Anthony Ralston in each other's way. The ball broke to Curtis Main, and his shot wasn't very powerful, but it somehow managed to go through Joe Hart. And then the first few minutes of the game, we were a goal down. And uh, that has to be said, I think it's one of the worst goals that we've conceded this season. And Joe Hart as well. I mean, 
there was criticism of him last week. I thought it was a wee bit harsh, but he really should have saved that goal. It was so poor. I've no idea what he was doing. So put us in the back foot early on. You were at the game as well as I was, Monk Phone. And what did you make of that first goal? I think it genuinely is one of the worst goals we've conceded this season. Yeah, I did um, manage to snag a, a spare uh, late in the day on Saturday, John, and to be honest. Probably shouldn't have bothered um, either that or I should have just left the stadium went up the pub after that goal because it really was a, a calamity of errors. Ralston obviously initially poor with, with um, the ball into main and then obviously goes through the, the legs of a lot. It takes, a, I think, a slight deflection in the way, but either way, there's no real power on the shot. Joe Hart should be saving it. It just sort of goes underneath him. We'll obviously talk about it for the second goal as well. I think there's big questions being asked of, of Joe Hart at the minute and his long-term future at Celtic, if you like. I know he's obviously into his mid-30s now, but even his, his future into next season is the, the first-choice goalkeeper. He's obviously divided opinion at points this season. We've praised him and also lambasted him, I suppose, in equal measure. Throughout the course of the season, he's had his good games, so he's had his, his, his poor games as well, and, and it was a really poor one on, on Saturday. It wasn't the only one, of course. You know, I don't want to just focus on Joe Hart, but um, he was really poor for that goal there, as was a lot in, in, in Ralston as well. And I'm in agreement with yourself. I think that is one of the the poorest goals we've conceded, not just this season, but in, in quite some time as well. It was just a, a real calamity of errors uh, all, all round. Yeah, it wasn't great, to put it mildly. But thankfully, 10 minutes later, we were back in label terms, and it was that man again, Kyogo. He's 31st goal of the season, and it was a great goal as well. A nice pass for Rio Hatati, who I thought didn't have the best of games, but it was a good pass into Kyogo after a, a nice move. And it was a brilliant, powerful shot into the corner of the net, giving the goalie absolutely no chance. So we're back in level terms, but we didn't really create much after that. The team was struggling, no one was really playing well. And then, we'll talk about it now, we conceded another goal, and it was Curtis Main again. And again, it was bad defending. It was a from a throw in. The ball wasn't clear initially. Mark O'Hara, who I think is a decent player for St. Mon, headed the ball onwards. Our defence were static as usual. Main had a decent header in the corner of the net. But Joe Hart looked really slow and didn't even make a move to save it, which was again puzzling. And I know we've been fairly critical of Celtic so far in this episode. Don't worry, we will praise them later on again. But again, another really poor goal to give away and question marks over Joe Hart. And we'll talk about the game against Hibs later on. But I would be surprised if Joe Hart starts because I think the manager will make a lot of changes, but he really was very poor with that goal as well. Your, your thoughts, first of all, on Kyogo's great goal, Spunk Phone, and then another Celtic defensive blunder land. Yeah, well, I did just want to touch very quickly on the, the cool goal goal there, so thank you very much for that invitation to speak about that there, John. I thought it was a, a great finish from Kyogo. He, he went sort of high and, and, and for power as well across the goalkeeper, which isn't really a, a finish that we see him utilise often. I know he scores a lot of goals in and around the six-yard box, which sometimes even I, for example, maybe unfairly characterises um, or mischaracterise, I suppose, is, is, is tappings. But for that one there, really, really good finish, as I say. Plenty of power. Went high as opposed to going low and, and kind of placing the shot, which 
um, is a bit more of a, a trademark of his, shall we say. But um, that was a, a really good finish for Kyogo, so I do think it is important for us to praise that in equal measure whilst we uh, obviously go through Celtic for the defensive lapses. Again, just a really poor, poor goal to concede. Caught sleeping, as you say, I think it's actually Callum McGregor who obviously goes on to score a, a cracking equaliser that we'll talk about, but I think it's actually him that plays main onside, if I'm not mistaken, from looking back at the replays anyway, it certainly looks to be the case, and then as you say, Joe Hart just, you know, you talk about goalkeepers commanding their box, and he didn't really even have a command of his six-yard box, as you say, very slow, not quick off his line at all, and, and then obviously doesn't really make an attempt at a, at a save either. Yeah, just a, again, a really poor goal to concede, and, and I know we are kind of going through Joe Hart at the moment, but um, having a few other individuals where we are very poor on Saturday. Yeah, nobody really played well. We'll go into that more later. But so at half time we were two one down. Manager didn't make any changes until fairly on in this game, which we'll talk about in a wee bit. And really, Simon had the better chances at the start of the second half. Curtis Main, who really ran riot, I thought he's probably the best opposition player I've seen at Celtic Park this season. He could have scored three times in the second half. He had two headers. And he hit the post as well. So, I mean, it, it, I think there's no player. I don't think there's a, 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 a Scottish Premier League opponent at Celtic Park has scored a hat-trick against us since, I think somebody said it was like Eric Black for Aberdeen in like 1983 or something. So, Curtis Green really could have got a hat-trick. We had a couple of chances. There was Dyson, who didn't have the best of games, missed for close range where he probably should have scored. He had an effort in the side netting. We did make changes after 70 minutes, which is late for Ange. Maybe he was looking for the players to prove a point, but we made three changes in the 72nd minute. Abada, Haxabanovich, and O came on. Just after that, Curtis Mean hit the post for St. Mon. O hit the post with a fairly good effort for us. But it looked like we were going to sink to a second league defeat in a row, first league defeat at Celtic Park. But... As you say, upstate top Carl McGregor doing the captain's role, scoring an excellent goal, the sort of goal he scored for us many times. He got the he got the ball just sort of on the edge of the penalty box, and it was an excellent finish. And um, I don't think we played well, but it was certainly a good goal by Carl McGregor, and it was good to see that he had the sort of battling qualities he didn't want us to lose. He didn't have a great game, but he still stood up to get that equaliser. And then after the game. There was five minutes added time, but we didn't really look like scoring a winning goal. And we're forced to settle for a point. Another game after winning the league that we didn't win, we didn't play well. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But your thoughts on Carl McGregor's goal, Spunk Phone, and the match overall? Uh, just really how you thought we played. Well, as, as you said there, John, I think it was the 72nd minute before we made any changes. I was surprised at that on, on Saturday because usually it is around the... In the 60, 65th minute mark, and obviously with his trailing in the game, I, I would have thought that um, the players would have been brought on sooner. But regardless of that, as you touched on there with, with Curtis Main, it's not a case of he should have, um, or it's not a case of he could have, sorry, had a hat-trick. He should have had a hat-trick, and he probably could have scored more because he, he did get some amount of chances. He had, as you said, that one off the post. He had one or two others as well, the, the header at the back post also. So... Really, um, he will be kicking himself that he's only came away with, with with just the two goals at Celtic Park, as ridiculous as that might sound to say. Cal McGregor didn't have his best game last week, didn't have his best game, I don't think, on Saturday either. 
But fair play to him, as you say, playing the captain's role, came up with a, a vintage Callum McGregor strike just in around the edge of the box, inside of the left foot, and, and just obviously put it over to that goalkeeper's um, goalkeeper's far right-hand corner. So a great finish from him. We obviously were probing and, and pushing forward in the, the later minutes of the game, but it wasn't to be. I know we're not the, the first Celtic side to kind of phone it in, if you like, after winning the title, but obviously after the, the disappointment of Ibrox the other week, we were hoping we could bounce back with a, a win at the weekend. Um, but alas, we'll need to go to Hibs now and get back to winning ways on Wednesday, John. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see the sort of team the manager picks for that game. We'll talk about that shortly. I haven't really said much about individual players apart from maybe Awata, and I wouldn't even blame him for that performance. He didn't play well, but I, I won't criticise him too much for that. But I think there's some players now that really aren't taking, making the most of their opportunity. And I think one of the names is Matt O'Reilly. I know he's a favourite with the fans, and he's got lots of assists this season, but I really don't think he's playing well at all. Now. I think games are just, for the most part, passing them by. I mean, he had a good chance against Rangers last week that he missed. I thought he was poor at the weekend. And looking ahead to the games we've got left, I think we're probably a better team without O'Reilly on the side. I know there's been a lot of talk about him. I think the manager's preferred midfield three at the moment is O'Reilly, Hitati and Cal McGregor. I'm not sure if I'd play that, but I think that's what he'll go for. I think that's what he'll he'll do in the cup final as well. He'll think that O'Reilly's industrious. He's able to like, still get a lot of assists. He's not really scored that many goals this season. But really, I, I don't think he's he's kicked on maybe as much as everybody had hoped. I think he's been, for the most part, pretty average this season. But the manager likes him. And I think that I don't want to talk about the cup final that much because next week we'll do a, a cup final preview special for there's something you look forward to, listeners. But I, I don't think I'd play him in my strongest Celtic team at the moment. And I think the, 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 the two big issues that we're going to have for the cup final and when it comes to the starting lineup. Providing everybody stays fit up until then, it's who partners Carl Starfield, the centre back, and it's who plays in midfield. We'll talk about the Carl Starfield uh, situation, I think, when we do the preview and who plays in defence for us. We'll wait and see who plays in the next two games. But Matt O'Reilly, for me, just I think he's a good player and he's done fairly well this season, but I think last season he was better and he's he's not kicked on as much as I'd hoped. So what do you make of Matt O'Reilly this season, Spunk One? As you say, he did register a lot of assists in the first part of the season and obviously there was that kind of stat doing the rounds that Ian Crocker and Sky used to love rolling out every single time we played on there about him having the most shots in the Scottish Premiership this season without scoring until he scored, obviously. I think I actually thought he was he was alright in the first half of the season, to be honest. But I think it's possibly after the the World Cup break. Maybe being in and out the side for the first couple of months when obviously Adam Moy had had his real kind of purple patch if you like a form when he was in the team every week, um and very much a part of the, the strongest starting eleven and the strongest midfield as well at that stage of the season. Possibly hindered him. I think his best performances this season have actually came in some of the bigger games. He did have an absolute shocker at Ibrox, I remember, in the uh, the two-each game. Um, he obviously wasn't much better the other week, but then again, I think it was a, a pretty poor team performance. But in terms of you know the two derby games at Celtic Park, there was obviously that Shakhtar Donetsk game in the Champions League, but he was the man of the match as well. So it's, I don't know, it's a difficult one to actually try and, and pinpoint, if you like, because you can't get inside his head. It's unfair to say something like 
maybe he's not taking it seriously against these smaller teams. And, and I'm, again, not saying that for one second, but it is a strange one because I say his, his best performances this season for me anyway have, have came in those bigger games. And I think there's definitely been a drop-off post-World post Cup, whether that was a combination of um, being out of the, the, the team. When Adam Moy came in for, as I say, that kind of two or three-month spell where he was really in the, the strongest start of living every week and, um, there's obviously been a lot of speculation as well at various points, going as far back really as last summer, since he's joined Celtic, about potential moves and this, that and the other. So it's one of those, I mean, we'll obviously talk about it, I suppose, in the, the end of season pod about transfers and this, that and the other, but I, I wouldn't actually be all, at all surprised to see Matt O'Reilly move on in the summer, along with obviously one or two others. He maybe hasn't kicked on as much as a lot of us thought he would, going off his, his first um, kind of four or five months at Celtic towards the, the back end of last season. I'll be interested and see what happens him in the summer, as you say. I'd, I'd imagine he's still at the start of his career and I think some clubs in England will be interested in him, so I'll be intriguing to see what happens if we get a bid for him, what, how much that would be, how much Seattle would be willing to sell for. I mean, we know that Ange hasn't got any qualms about selling important players, look what happened in January, so we'll wait and see what happens with Matt O'Reilly. And I think the last thing to say about the game of the weekend is what happened at the press conference, because I was there at the press conference, lucky me, representing this wonderful podcast, and Ange came in, he had some interesting things to say. He, he was sort of vague in this, but he, he was talking about how, like, not the concentration levels, but like, the defensive... Uh, the, the defence wasn't right, he said, but when I asked him about that, was that down to the injuries? He said, he said no, he wasn't having that. So I'll be interested to see how the defence performs in the next few weeks, because I think there'll be changes again, but he says that the changes aren't the reason the defence is pretty, pretty poor. But probably the most interesting part was when uh, a journalist, the first question, I'm not sure who it was, he said, did they think that Celtic were fortunate to get a, a point at the game when you look at the sort of chances that Mirren had? And Ange wasn't having it. He was nearly even laughing when he asked the question. He was incredulous that the journalist thought that Mirren deserved to win the game. Now, far be it for me to criticise a wonderful manager who's been amazing these last two seasons. But I think he got that wrong. And on the number of chances created in the game, I think we were fortunate to get a point in that game. Spunkphone, were Celtic fortunate to get a point in the game? Your thoughts? At the risk of upsetting our wonderful listeners um, and an even more wonderful manager, yes, I do think we were slightly fortunate, John. I, I, I thought we were well off it, and we've talked about some of the chances that Curtis Main and, and St Mirren as a whole spurned in that first half and in the second half in particular where he really should have came away, Curtis Main, with, with more than the two goals. So I do think we were slightly fortunate, to be honest. I, I think we did uh, get away with one, as they say. All right, so that's enough about the St Mullen game. I agree with you, by the way, about that. And Ange, for once, is wrong. But he'll be right again in the next few weeks, I'm sure. So we'll let him away with that. Right, so enough, as I said, about the St Mullen game. And now on to Celtic's next two games. Yep, lucky listeners, you're getting a double preview because we're not doing a pod after our next game, which is against Hibs on Wednesday night at Easter Road. A game which I will be attending. Not seeing what end I'm sitting in, though. But it'll be the first Celtic away game I've been to since 2018 when we beat... Was it 2018? 2019 when we beat at 1-0 at Robbie Park when Bruni... Scored that legendary last-minute winner, deflection off Alex Bruce's stomach. 
and he, of course, jumped into the crowd and got a second yellow card after that wonderful guy, Robert Madden, who thankfully is no longer a referee. So it's my first Celtic away game for a while. I will be attending with former GigPod guest Lee. And it'll be an interesting game, really, just to see what sort of team the manager picks. Obviously, we've got this game on Wednesday. On Saturday, we've got the last game of the season at home in Aberdeen, but we'll get the league trophy, and we'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes. But it will really be interesting to see what team Ange picks, and I'm thinking that I don't think any of the first-team regulars will be playing. I think it'll be fringe and squad players all the way. I just think it'd be silly, really, to play the first team, especially we need to guard the injuries, especially defence. I mean, if Carl Starfield gets ruled out, that would be a catastrophe. I don't care if people say, oh, it's only Inverness we're playing. You don't want to begin to edit a cup final when none of your first-choice centre-backs available. So I don't think Carl Starfield will play, and I, I really don't think any of the first team will play. I hope Kyogo's not playing. Carl McGregor can get a rest. None, none of the first-team players should start. And if there's any fringe players that are starting the smartphone, who are you hoping starts the game and can make the most of a, a rare opportunity? I was going to see the wonderful green and white hoops shot, but it won't be wearing the hoops because we're playing hibs. It'll be, I can't, I can't remember what color the waist strip is. It'll be not green anyway. So if we do make a lot of changes, who are you hoping gets a rare run out for the hoops? Well, I suspect, John, it'll be that lovely uh, black and green uh, away combo that we'll be wearing. It's a cracking shot, and I made the mistake, actually, on a couple of occasions this season of not wanting to pay full price for it, but it is once again sold out everywhere, much to my disappointment. I don't know if it'll be wholesale changes in, in terms of, you know, like a completely different 11. I do agree with yourself that it'd be stupid to play certain players and, and particularly you know when you look at the defence at the moment we are pretty light in that area um, obviously with Carter Vickers missing, Johnson missing as well I'll be interested to see who they do go with at centre half and whether or not Carl Starfelt is I suppose risked there I, I think in terms of changes though I'm thinking maybe 4 or 5 at most to be honest I, I think the likes of Abada will probably come in for the start. Bernabea maybe wouldn't rule out getting another goal. I'd probably be the same with Kobayashi as well, to be honest. I think that the obviously there was the disappointment of, of his performance at Ibrox, but given that he's been taking out the firing line, if you like, last weekend and you know not really paying off with Awata in, there, um, in his place, I, I do think that he'll probably come back into the fold. Haksabanovic maybe, or up front. For example, maybe David Tumble. Um, I realise the more that I go on here, it's sounding as if I am saying there will be wholesale changes, but I think it'll be four or five at most, and then probably something more closely resembling our strongest 11 for uh, for Trophy Day, John. Now, see, I, dis- I disagree for once. I think, well, I-, I-, I hope we make a load of changes, but I think you might be right. I think Andrew probably think that he'll want to win the game, and really, well, I hope we win the game as well, because I've paid £31 for the ticket, uh, and... I don't get to that many Celtic away games these days, so hopefully they put on a show, as a song would say. But I don't want us to play any first-team players. I mean, the first-team players that have played haven't they pulled up any trees exactly in the last two games. And I mean, obviously, there is always going to be a fall-off after they win a league. I don't care what MD says. If you look at a lot of other teams throughout Europe that have won the league, their performance levels have dropped off. I've seen that Barcelona lost the other day. At home with Real Sociedad, I know that Napoli get beat last week as well, even unconsciously. They know that the big game's a cup final. I don't think we'll be taking the cup final lately, even though people say it's only Inverness. I think we'll be 
focus for that. I won't get you make a prediction because we're going to be talking about two games. But let's talk about the game on Saturday against Aberdeen, who could be confirmed as third place, or maybe not. But we'll maybe not talk about the game. We'll talk about after the game. And apparently there's going to be yet another Celtic party in the East End of Glasgow in the Merchant City area, which I missed last year, but I should be there this year. Spunkerphone, you'll be attending the game. Will you also be attending this Celtic shindig in Melchers after the game? Oh, it'd be silly not to. Yes, it, it does seem as though there will be another Merchant City debrief after Trophy Day this season, which I'm looking forward to, um, I must say. Hopefully we've got some beautiful Glasgow sunshine to celebrate, and I did look at the weather forecast, and it is looking promising at the moment, but we all know how those things can change. But yes, I will be in attendance at the game, and, and I'll hopefully see you at the after party this year, John, seeing as you've not got a wedding to attend. <laughs> That's right. No. Right, so... Instead of getting predictions, what I'll do is I'll get you to predict how many points we'll get out of the next two games. So out of those two games against Hibs and Aberdeen, out of six points, how many do you think Celtic will get? Well, look, we've been um, pretty negative throughout the duration of the last half hour or so, and I can only thank the listeners for sticking with us. So I'm going to try and end it with a little bit of positivity, John. I think even if there is, um, as I say, a handful of changes on Wednesday night and and possibly, as I see it, something more closely resembling our strongest 11 come Saturday. I'm still going to go for six points. Keep the faith, as the saying goes. So, six points for me. What about your good self? I was going to go for four points, but I think, to be positive like you, we've been too negative on this week's episode. I'll also go for six points. I think the... We'll, we'll maybe beat Habs by a couple. I think that the game might be tough, especially if they've got third place in the line. But I think that we'll, we'll get a... We'll get ourselves back in gear and we'll win six points. Right, so there's a couple of things we we'll talk about before we go. First of all, the evening with Scott Brown and Mikael Lustig event, which we both attended, although I didn't get the free booze and free food extravaganza like you and our dear leader did. But I thought that was a good night. I thought there was a lot of interesting stories. I thought Gordon Stratton was, was very good and Brown and Lustig as well. Charlie McGrew had some interesting stories as well that made Scott Brown just seem ridiculous but I thought it was a good night would I have went if I hadn't got a freebie who can say listeners but that was a good night and you I don't know if you remember this because you were steaming got to go to the after party as well and you got to meet the great Bruni himself so do you remember anything about being about that after party or is it just lost in a haze a drink it's just just talking, John, just just talking to people. No, I do remember it, actually. Uh, a good friend of ours who remained nameless did say he was surprised at how, and I quote, cognitive I was, given the amount of free booze that had been consumed beforehand. But as you say, it was a, a good night. Gordon Strachan really did steal the show, as he often does, with his patter and, and stories and everything like that. So he was, um, I was going to say, worth the admission fee alone, but um, I was obviously getting a, a freebie as you did, so... Can't really say that, but listen, it was all in the name of charity. It was all for a, a good cause, um, and that's the main thing, John. So a thoroughly enjoyable evening, and, and good to see a few of the, the former Celts that were in attendance. Yeah, all the money raised went to the Celtic FC Foundation, and there was a lot of people there, I think around 8,000 at the Hydro, which is good going for what was basically just Brown and Lustig telling stories about the good old days. So well done everybody for attending, especially those that paid full money. And good on this Celtic Foundation on raising a lot of money for charity. Right, so, Spunk Phone, 
thanks very much for being on this week's episode. Thanks very much for having me, John. I look forward to the uh, the next one after the the big title party debrief. Yes, and I'll hopefully see you in the streets of Glasgow on Saturday. Right, so first of all, we'd like to say commiserations to Celtic FC women's team who are unbelievably unfortunate not to win the league for the first time ever yesterday, being denied by an injury time goal for Glasgow City, who are Nibby Rangers, but they still finished second in the league and have qualified for the Champions League qualifiers. So well done to Fran Alonso and the players, and good luck to them on Sunday when they play Rangers in the Scottish Cup final at Hamden, a game which is live on BBC Scotland. BBC One Scotland, in fact, interestingly, so everybody will get to watch that. And if the Celtic women go on to win the Cup, we'll give them a ton of praise next week because they'll deserve that. Very unlucky not to win the league yesterday. The worst way possible, given with Rangers considered a goal in the last minute to Glasgow City, but they still done excellently to finish second, so well done to Fran Alonso on the players, and hopefully they bring the Cup home to Celtic Park. And as Spunkphone and me have been saying, we won't have a pod after the Hibs game, but we will have one this time next week. Talking about the Hibs game, talk about the Aberdeen game, the trophy lifting ceremony, who gives Celtic the trophy? Because that's not been announced yet. Last year it was, I think, Paul Lambert, but this year no announcements. So we'll wait and see what legend or Celtic past that is. Right, so you can catch us on all the usual podcast platforms. You know well by now, we've been doing this for an awful long time. 169, silence for a joke episodes so you can leave us five stars and tell us how great we are etc etc you can follow stevie on instagram at gigpod where he's always got lots of good stuff up as ever and we will be back as i said next week with a look back at the hibs and aberdeen games the trophy lifting and the party in the east end of Glasgow. so thanks everybody for listening we'll speak to you all soon good luck to celtic on the next two games let's get back to winning ways and hail hail Podcast Network.